Welcome back to the episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Today, we've got two guests. So I've got Garrett Morris, who's the Vice President of Client Success Management at Abrigo. And I've got Michael Click, who is the Strategic Client Success Manager at Abrigo as well. So Garrett, Michael, appreciate you both joining today. Thanks yeah, for thanks, for, thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, Garrett, were you, did I see you're in North Carolina? Uh, correct. Um, okay. Not quite born and raised, but have been here a good part of my life. Uh, went to school at NC State and I've kind of stayed in the area since. That's great. Awesome. Okay, cool. Michael, what about you? Uh, born and raised in Philadelphia. So. Okay. Still yep. there? Still here. Yeah. All right. This is my city. I'm, I'm not too sure I'd want to leave here. All right. Uh, well, since I know that now, I'm, I'm definitely going to treat you differently because, uh, you know, sports fans of Philly, I don't know if I can deal with them anymore. Uh, I'm a I'm a uh, Atlanta Braves fan. So, you know, the Phillies and the Braves go back. Uh, although, luckily, my uh, football team of choice is the Buffalo Bills. So, I don't know. We don't have any uh, qualms there. But, you know, uh, one of my best friends in college is from Philadelphia. And um, let me tell you, it's just been a, it was a treat for four years in college having to be around him during any any Philadelphia sporting event. Uh, in terms of a spectacle, we are we are more than passionate. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> we'll a good way to describe it. it. Yeah, we'll yeah. let you know about it though. <laughs> uh, Jeff, Jeff, I have to hop in, and it feels like fate that you and I have met. I don't really know. Life kind of allowed me to be a, a Buffalo Bills fan, um, which is odd. Me growing up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, yeah. Through some difficult times, through the the Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, uh, Andre oh, yeah. Rastanier, but it was it was relieved and picked up by baseball with like, you know, the, the Greg Maddox and the the Tom Glavin years. Um, also, fan of the Atlanta Braves. So yeah, interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, my uh, my parents were born in Hamburg, New York, and uh, so when I was growing up, that was like the only it was the big thing. My dad and I still. Uh, we live now about 30 minutes from each other. So we try and watch as many games together as we can uh, every Sunday. So uh, I had a neighbor is, who was, who was uh, from Buffalo and just being a kid kind of watch games with uh, him and his family. Uh, so yeah, uh, good times and bad funny. times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. People ask me all the time, like, how'd you choose that? And I'm like, well, I didn't really choose it. It chose me. And uh, second of all, you know, for anybody that's calling me a fair weather fan, who, who would choose a team that loses four or pools? Nobody would. All right. I'm not a fair weather fan. Uh, <laughs> th that can't happen. So, um, all right. Well, that, that was not an icebreaker, but that was a nice way to, to get to know you all. Uh, you know, now we've got Garrett, we're going to be linked for life. Uh, we'll have to make sure and, you know, trade phone numbers so we can text about uh, sports. For sure, uh, first for question. Sure. First icebreaker I like to throw out there. Let's start with Garrett, and then we'll go to Michael. Is um, if you were going to be on an episode of Jeopardy, and the categories are being named, and all of a sudden the category comes to the comes to the comes up, and is, and then you're just like, I'm going to crush the entire category. I'm going to nail it from like 100 to 1,000. I'm going to nail all these questions. What is that category for you? That's that's like a tough, tough icebreaker. Wow, uh, we're we're getting serious right off the bat here. Uh, I would have to say, call it cinema, like nineties, two thousands movies, uh, fun facts and trivia. I would, I would nail that. Big, That's big awesome. movie buff, but I watch way too many movies. Uh, you and Jay, I know Jay's not here today, but um, if Jay was here, you all could go back and forth. He's like, 
he he's like that same era loves that and he uh he also knows like every word to top gun which i thought was just an interesting choice i'm like okay but like why top gun like that's an interesting movie to know all the words to but uh but i like it that's it i'll, I'll be your wingman you can be mine <laughs> uh michael how about you i would, I would say uh like useless facts i know just uh it's just a bit of everything um you wouldn't find important <laughs> all right that's uh that's helpful that now i know who i have to text you know when i need uh trivia answer you know at a, at a random bar that we're hanging out at like it's gonna be you you're gonna be my lifeline i have not lost at a, 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 a yeah was it quizzo or anything like that <laughs> yeah. i love it uh I, i'll give you my answer just you know since we're all playing the game i typically say like early 2000s like anything sports related kind of late 90s early 2000s i just that was like the age where I was growing up where I was like reading the newspaper every day, like looking at stat lines for everybody. Like I just remember like picking up my dad had the USA today. And then we also had a local paper called the Island packet. And I would like just pick those up and like look at every sports stat. So I feel like I could probably nail a lot of like early two thousands, uh, sports trivia, um, specifically baseball or football. Um, all right. Second icebreaker. Then we'll jump into actual content here. Uh, we'll start with Michael this time, since you had a head start last time. But Michael, uh, what is like a, what's like a good Sunday look like for you? You know, like if you're like, oh, I, you know, if I get to do these things on a Sunday, this is definitely going to be a good one. Oh gosh. Uh, as, as you, as, as you probably remember in our email change, um, I have a newborn now. So everything I used to do, uh, no longer do. So, um, kind of, kind of terraforming right now and, and <laughs> rewriting what I would like to do on a Sunday <laughs> as opposed to what I have to do. Um, I don't know. I would say as of now, we are big proponents of, uh, of the rest day. So we try, to, we try to hustle as much as we can on Saturdays so that Sundays are absolutely just uh, to the couch or, uh, you know, whether we're traveling around or something like that. So, uh, we like to, we like to stay, uh, moving for sure. So anything, anything really. I like it. Uh, yeah, I know you're feeling, we actually just had a nice rest Sunday, uh, this past weekend we did a bunch of stuff on Saturday with our son and then we came back with, you know, nothing on Sunday, uh, laid on the couch all day. I think it caught a little bit of the golf, uh, the, uh, Dell match play was on. So I watched a little bit of match play golf, which is nice. Uh, Garrett, how about you? What does Sunday look like? Yeah, I, I share that, that relatively large life change. It sounds like with, with the both of you, um, but I, I have to say, like, breakfast to me is, especially on a weekend, really good coffee, really good breakfast. Hopefully something that is, is bad for you would be, like, top-notch, um, followed by, yeah, some activity with the, with the boy, watching him run around, which is the typical day. Uh, maybe an activity by, by me at the end of the day would be great. I like it. Yeah, some, that's, form uh, of, some form of athletics or sports for me at the end of the day would be would be top notch if not asking too much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm with you too. Uh, good breakfast uh, depends. You know, normally we've got a place that's uh, near our house that I like to go to, like a little French bakery. So like if I can go to get like a nice coffee and a pastry from there, uh, I'm like in heaven. Especially like you said, the the more gluttonous. Uh, the better for me on a Sunday. Uh, so I'm like a huge donut fan as well. I'll eat like no, all no donut that I see yeah. uh, I, I in existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I, am, I am the epitome, Michael. You just you nailed me to a T. If you ask my wife, I'm the I'm the epitome of like my diet starts tomorrow. It's like every time she'll be like, uh, "Did you start your diet this? Like, did you say you were eating better this week?" Yeah, yeah, but that like doesn't count until like next Monday yeah, when the new week starts. So, um, all right, cool. Well, I know. Um, we wanted to jump on and, and talk through 
this idea of just, you know, how, how are we talking to our customers about the outcomes that they're achieving? Um, you know, how we are essentially partnering with them to get to those, right? Um, think about kind of solutions, you think about our products. Um, and so uh, I'm curious, maybe just from um, your standpoint, Garrett, and, you know, looking at the organization that you've been um, kind of building and shaping, you know, are there um, certain ways that you all are looking at maybe tracking that over time? Is it more so just important to just have the conversation? Or is it, are you looking for some sort of like um, trend or are you just kind of looking at something that would help you um, kind of, you know, dictate that the customers are moving in a good direction, the CSMs are doing the right right things. Uh, what are you kind of looking at when it comes to helping your customers measure outcomes? Yeah, um, I, there's like so much to, to talk to in this space, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, like number one, I, I think just foundationally, it makes sense, I think, to like, ask almost on a recurring basis, like what's, what's important to the customer, right? Like, like what do they care about? What's their focus? And then like, how do we fit with that strategic vision? Um, I think that that can change in our space, the community financial institution space, we're actually seeing it change now. Uh, so it's an evolving thing. Um, important not to get stale uh, and keep evolving with what's happening out there in the market and what clients care about, right? Uh, I, just, I, I don't know. That, that speaks to me the loudest. I think it's important to, to say that up front. Uh, luckily, I, I think for us, like we, we have a lot of good availability to analytics and data. Uh, we're asking that client and actively listening and hearing our response. their response. We've been able to put together information that shows how their institution is performing as tracked through our functionality and hopefully show that information trend down over time. Um, and all again, circling back out of that, you know, it being related to consumption or adoption of our software kind of playing into that uh, allows them to see how our functionalities, our technologies are allowing them to succeed in hitting their strategic endeavor. So I think, you know, having recurring conversations, illustrating that, showing that, if there are gaps in in hitting those targets or adoption consumption of the software solving for that as well, that's really the predominant focus I would say of like client success within Abrigo. Um, again, based on those two fundamental elements, right? Like asking what their focus is and then providing the analytics that relate to that. Yeah, the, um, the there's a couple parts that I thought were pretty interesting that you I think hinted at as well, which is this idea of um, kind of asking what's important to them, seeing what they're measuring. And you kind of hinted at the fact that like, uh, uh, you know, how you're contributing to that success. Because I think sometimes what I've heard or what's, what typically might start to happen is that in software companies, we almost think that like we are the only ones that cause that outcome. So it's like, oh, we're measuring something, you know, the customer is measuring something. And it's like, oh, uh, our tool software is like the sole proponent of like that, uh, you know, kind of being successful. And I think what I heard you allude to a little bit, right, is that like, um, we might not be the only thing and like, let's acknowledge that, but like, let's acknowledge what we have contributed, right? Like we can contribute to that story, but also like, let's also not um, paint like a false picture of like, it's it's solely because of us. Um, and I think sometimes that happens in a software company, right? You kind of get instilled and you like, um, I don't know, we have to keep talking about ourselves because we need to make sure they're going to renew. We kind of have to make sure that they know about all the things that we're doing. And like, yes, there is like that, um, side, I definitely, you know, see that I work in marketing, right? So like, I, I see the idea that we need to make sure that we're, that they're aware of us, they're aware of what we're helping them. But I also just, uh, I don't know, it seems like a fine line, you can kind of fall over where all of a sudden you start to, 
um, maybe paint a picture that's like too big and the customer can kind of see through that. It's almost like it paints like this false sense of reality um, for the customer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say, uh, you know, a, a lot of interest for us around our clients using our functionality and really just the market in general is, is like data connectivity, having data move in and move out of our functionality seamlessly. Um, so as an organization, we've actually moved to make sure that that's possible through an open API, but also developing third-party partnerships with other organizations that relate to these other business objectives. Uh, so making certain that we're open to that, again, making certain that we're, we're clear on those needs and then solving for that where appropriate. Cool. Yeah, that, that definitely, um, I like the kind of the gap analysis that you're doing there, um, that you're kind of working through. Michael, yeah. when you think about, um, you know, kind of going and having these conversations with customers, is there, you know, are there ways that you're seeing there and having some of those conversations? Is, is there certain questions that you're trying to bring up that kind of hint at these things? Is there, you know, ways, because I feel like sometimes when you ask the question, like, Hey, what are you trying to achieve? Sometimes people, customers, especially like look at you with the deer in headlights and they're like, I don't know. You know, like it's sometimes yeah. it, it just like isn't maybe top of mind or like readily available. So are there ways that you're thinking about kind of bringing what Garrett's talking about into that real conversation with the customer? Yeah, you know, I, I think you both really kind of hit it there. Um, it's a question they don't really understand much. Uh, nobody really asks them that, especially from a relationship with your software. It's like, hey, you know, what do you consider progress? What do you find valuable? What are you trying to solve for? You know, it's like um, they just want to use it and kind of, again, let's look at the data at the end to say, is it, is it helping? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it growing my business? But, you know, to kind of really look at it as relational, um, it definitely, you get a balk at it. Um, so you kind of have to keep um, painting that picture and probing it a little bit further to say, well, with this, uh, you know, with your, with your tool set here, you know, this is what you can accomplish. But um, through the conversations that we have, you know, it can be so much more, you know, and like Garrett said, you know, it's something where you can't just keep pushing our agenda. You know, it has to be kind of like fluid or very relational thinking about it that way. So I try to, I would say, you know, in our conversations, keep it um, kind of keep it focused on some of those main points. What can we solve for? How can we drill that down further? And then again, from there, finding what's important and then just really kind of hammering that home and saying, okay, from there, where does this evolve to? Where can we go from here? And then from the next point, maybe, okay, from there, where does that evolve? How can we, how can we look to kind of expand upon that? And then all together aligning with um, you know, what our offerings are, you know, like you said, we don't want to just kind of keep pushing that and saying, this is available. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to look into, but more so does it fit the mold? Does it fit for you now? Will it fit for you later? Is there going to be a fit at all? Um, really kind of compiling that. I, I am a big proponent of success planning. So, you know, kind of laying it all out there to say, this is what we talk about. This is where we're going. This is the trajectory. Does this fit the bill? And then kind of, again, reiterate. Awesome. Are we on the right path? Is this what you're looking to solve for? And then just really having that availability, whether it's through me, the data. Um, and I think that's the best way to approach these conversations. Again, you know, uh, stepping back from the, the overall maybe company agenda, but looking at it from their perspective. Okay. You know, I never thought of it this way, you know, great. Let's explore yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it, that definitely resonates too, right? Like I think um, I had somebody early in my career, um, when I was a CSM talk about, uh, you know, if you can get your champion promoted, right. If you can get them in the limelight, like that's always a good thing. And so like always be spotting some of those moments. So I think your point towards the end there, Michael, of like, 
like there's a, you know, the company that purchased our software has something to achieve and like they're the conduit to make that happen. But also they have personal ambition. They want to be doing things themselves. Like how can you help um, make sure that you kind of think and, and talk through um, both of those things. The other part that um, I wanted to, to mention too, that you kind of hinted at this, right. Is uh, there's a little bit of what you mentioned about like, um, Hey, like our data is flowing in and out. Our data is kind of moving between platforms and like acknowledging that, right. Like, Hey, even asking questions um, I've found, in my career too, even asking questions that uh, hint at what are, what other things are you using, right? Like what other tech stack, what's, what else is part of your tech stack? What are other data points that you're looking at? How are you making decisions off those? Like those little, um, I would say innocuous questions sometimes, right? Like I think sometimes people think of like the, they have to be these big profound questions, but I think if you can kind of start to um, hint at some of those smaller pieces, like, Hey, yeah, what else is in your tech stack? Or, Hey, I noticed that you're using this other tool and you're passing data from us over to that. Um, like how, like what's that helping you do, right? Like those little questions are ways that I've found in my career that you can actually start to kind of weave your way in more and more. And it feels so natural because it's not, again, it's not like you, like you said, Michael, like pushing your own agenda on the customer. It's really like, Hey, I'm curious. Like I need to maybe, you know, you're kind of keeping us at arm's length because you're, you know, you have these two separate tools, but maybe there is something that we could actually be working better on together. Maybe if I knew what you were doing and then I could help you, you know, think about the right data to push over there or think about how those two systems interact. Like, so I think there is that kind of interesting um, dynamic there too. Well, off of that still, like you said, you know, it's those smaller nuances that you discover. I mean, it does, it makes it digestible for them. You know, otherwise they're out of the gate, they're probably going to be extremely overwhelmed. There's going to be a lot of change management going on. So it's, you know, they, they have a lot of work on their end. So kind of looking at it, like, let's start here and then let's look to play a long game. Yeah. Um, and then I think the information is retained that much more when you kind of, again, put it a little bit more palatable um, instead of just data dumping outside of like a big QBR. Here we go. You know, this is everything you need to know. This is all we do. And then your next conversation is uh, from ear to ear. They're, they're just trying to recall. Wait, wait, wait. Well, I'm sorry. Please like, go through this again. This data looks new to me. So it's, again, making it, I think, like you said, you know, attacking those smaller areas, um, having them understand it and having them apply it right away. And then seeing value right out of the gate, which is what we look to do. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's been a study. Uh, so Greg Danes, if you've heard that name before, he runs like a, um, a research company. So he actually just put out a report recently. I think it's like ten top ten uh, reasons that customers churn, and it's a uh, um, he, he presents data uh, kind of un or anonymized data that he's pulled from all these B2B SaaS companies. Uh, and one of the things that I found interesting, and it's part, maybe pertinent to this conversation, is he found um, that customers are six times more likely to stay with you if you actually just have the conversation about their outcomes, uh, whether they're positive or negative. Um, he just found that there are companies out there that aren't even asking the question of like, oh, what are you achieving? Uh, let's kind of write that down. Let's really be concrete about that. Uh, and so he said that customers are uh, stay six times longer, essentially, um, when you're asking them the question, when you're just bringing it up on a periodic basis um, versus not. And so we had him on our podcast last week. And so we were kind of talking through, you know, hypothesizing, well, why is that? Like, why do you think that? Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of times what he was hearing was, um, you know, even the customer, the customer even knowing that we care about the result, whether it's positive or negative and are, are, are kind of standing behind the product, kind of standing there. They said uh, kept them staying longer because they know if they were to go to a competitor that they're not going to have any of that visibility anyway. So is it better to know even if it's negative than better to not know at all? And so it was just an interesting piece um, 
that we were talking about with him yesterday uh, or last week, excuse me, um, in regards to his report. I just thought it was interesting to like the six times longer is a really significant result, right? Hey, just asking the question, writing it down um, and kind of bringing that up on a regular, consistent basis. So I'm curious if you all, maybe Garrett from your side, are you, you know, noticing that you've got, you know, I don't know if it's six times longer that your customers are staying, but is there a noticeable result for you that like, hey, we're having this conversation and um, we're kind of seeing it come back in, you know, maybe we've got more advocates that are coming to the table from customer side. Maybe it's more, you know, higher NPS or CSAT that we're noticing. But is there anything that you feel like is tangible that kind of comes out of us having this conversation regularly? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess first I would say it's it's like uh, foundational to our approach. Just having, again, that that proactive outreach um, and communication strategy is something like we've we've employed here. We've we've deemed it necessary and critical um, based on the, the those high churn reasons that we see and we track. Um, and, and we've seen dividends from, right? I'd say it's from constrained and unconstrained retention rates. I'd say we've seen it in, in our adoption rates going up, uh, crawl cells and add-ons and, and uh, interest in our advisory engagements all have, I think, trended up really from what's done in client success uh, by having those recurring dialogues. Uh, and, and a lot of it, again, stems from you know, Michael touched on it earlier, but that that change piece, right? Like the the willingness at a client site to be open to adopt to to change their previous approach. Uh, how well the directive and the communication of the directive uh, was delivered at the client site in terms of the expectation, and then the follow up there as well um, is is one key thing we're always solving for. And uh, with that, I think like us moving into the the advisory space as a proponent of that where we're helping institutions really manage that change change piece and that implementation approach and process is something that we've had to do uh just from key learnings and from experience uh so yeah it's it's interesting i think as as we continue to grow and as we continue to evolve we're solving for new things and different things and i'm sure that'll continue to happen just based on the the data that we're seeing yeah yeah there's two two really interesting i love that last point you made about um uh, i i saw a really interesting quote from a former leader at hubspot in the marketing team so it's kind of i'm going to relate it back to i think what you just said but um what she was talking about was um, she's kind of said, you know, our strategy changed um, for like a business as a business our, our at HubSpot, their strategy changed maybe once a year, right? They kind of said, okay, here's our vision for 2023. And, um, and then she would have some cascading changes on the marketing team. Maybe she reformed certain teams, maybe their processes change and she, her team would always kind of get in this turmoil. And, uh, and she kind of outlined it as that, which is like, you know, uh, we can't just keep we can't just stay static in what we're doing um, if the strategy is changing. And so I think kind of relating it back to what you just mentioned, it's like, hey, our customers, we're noticing just through our interactions and, the, you know, we're having these frequent conversations. And so there are things that they're doing that we're noticing over time. And if we start keep if we keep noticing those things, we can't just, um, I don't know, address them one on one each time. Um, you know, we have to start thinking about, OK, it seems like this is. Um, maybe becoming something that's more systematic. Like, okay, is there, you know, are there things that we need to address? Like you said, I think you're were, you were hinting at, right? Hey, we need to address something in a different way because they're looking for that advisory. They're looking for our expertise. So how do we, you know, bring that to the table? So I think that's super interesting um, that you mentioned that that piece um, around yeah. it. 
Yeah, for, for us, it was, a, it was a change management program, right? Like the actual communication strategy, how to best adopt something new um, in soup to nuts, end in, what that looks like uh, and, and how you execute on that and how you report on that. Uh, we have found that, um, you know, sometimes software becomes shelfware, right? Um, yeah. You, you set it, you forget it, uh, and that's that. And that's that's not much of a meaningful partnership or relationship. That's not what we want. So that being such a challenge, I think, within really uh, a fintech or, or a SaaS space, uh, we've learned, again, through attrition analysis, that's something like we have to proactively solve for. Uh, and it's it's something that we continuously solve for, starting first with, with the sales process and approach. We speak to it proactively there. It then goes to implementation. It's a part of that approach. And it's something that, again, client success is continuously working on and solving for the client um, through the, the entire partnership. I love that. Yeah, that's so huge. Um, we we uh, talk about that quite a bit, Jay and I, um, as we've gone back, even to some of our consulting days about like, um, sometimes we expect our customers when they purchase our software to have this moment of like, oh my gosh, you, I purchased your software. I'm going to use it every single day. I'm going to jump in. Don't worry. You, you won't have to remind me. Like, I'm going to know what to do immediately. Uh, and I love your point. Like, they're buying software because they have a problem. Uh, but it doesn't end there. Like they need to go basically sell this internally, champion it, bring people to the table. Um, maybe they have to have working team meetings. Maybe they have to have uh, a certain like dialogue or internal recap email that goes out all the time. So like, why not package that up in a uh, a way that basically says, hey, we know you're about to go through all this change and here we can help you like through that. So Michael, I'm curious from your side, like how, how do you think about um, that change management? Is there, are there certain aspects that you maybe you've noticed where, um, you know, customer, you kind of get, dig in with customers a little bit more. Is it, uh, if you kind of, you know, there's people process technology, maybe as like the big three buckets, you know, is it that you're, you know, through that change management process, is there a lot of conversation around one of those buckets that you feel like you're, you're having a lot with them? Uh, yeah, I would say the people, you know, the users is probably where we tend to, I would say, gravitate the most towards, you know, nothing's going to be typical. Everybody's got a, a different flavor of how they want to use it, how they, you know, are going to find success with it. And obviously the the opinions that we offer and saying, you're going to find the best success maybe in this direction. So it's always kind of gearing down towards, okay, the message. And then from there, okay, how did the users perceive that? Um, something I know we've worked pretty hard on is, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe attacking it from a, a train the trainer approach, you know, instead of kind of maybe looking at, at it as an end user specifically, how can we continue to be um, enhancing adoption from within? And that we, I feel like would be the best approach is, you know, why not find the best adopter or the individual within it to say, okay, great. Now I have an inside man, an inside promoter, um, who's not going to only, you know, push and emphasize the importance of, you know, this new change. But then again, it's, it's delivered in a message that they, um, they hear constantly, um, that they could probably maybe, um, appreciate a little bit more than somebody from the outside who's not going to be um, sitting next to them in the desk. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Somebody actually kind of speaks their language, so to speak. So I think kind of when you look at it, you know, I know the approach that I found quite successful is, is again, looking at it from the, the people perspective. Yeah, that is um, uh, a point like you, that you're going down there. Like that is a, um, the train, the trainer, like kind of thinking about like this, Hey, we've got somebody who's excited. Like, how do we go enable them? Um, how do we make sure and like keep them excited? How do we go give them the tools? Um, I think works 
really well. The the uh, the piece I think we've found interesting recently is um, the process piece. I've I found interesting. It kind of goes back to some of the questions that we were talking about earlier as well. Like um, I've I've started asking some questions around like you know oh when when do you talk about uh, it's like we have a community product. Like when do you talk about the outcomes that community drives? Is it do you have a meeting about that? Is it like a weekly meeting with the team? Is it like a an executive stand up? I don't know. Like what is it? And then you start to learn a little bit about their process, and that's another interesting tactic that we've kind of found of like oh, you're talking about it weekly. Is there anything that we can do to help you prepare for that weekly meeting? You know, And then it becomes, like you said uh, earlier, Garrett, it becomes a little bit more about, hey, we're in this together. Like You don't have to feel like you're walking into that meeting alone. Like We can prepare things for you or even just like um, maybe it's nothing specifically that we can prepare, but at least we know about it. We can ask more about it. We can be empathetic towards it. So um, that's been another little uh, interesting question that we've kind of thrown in is, is that idea of like, oh, when is it talked about? And like, oh, did you have a town hall recently? Did you... Were you able to present about this? Hey, I know your project's really big. Um, we were just talking to a customer the other day who was going through a big transformation um, style project, you know, uh, kind of think about like uh, project management office involved. Like there was, you know, different work streams coming together. There was like this whole working team. And um, it, it was really illuminating for us just even asking like, hey, how does that, how do those teams work? And like, what are the work streams and all this kind of stuff? Because then you could kind of pinpoint where we could be helpful, like where we should avoid, like honestly, like where we should avoid to like, Hey, we don't need to be involved in those conversations. And that was even helpful for them. They're like, Oh, wow. It's really nice that you're like, almost like taking stuff off the plate of like when, when I need to be thinking about uh, where, where you'd be involved. So I think, um, but that hints to you, Michael, as well, like this, you know, idea of like understanding the people, understanding their processes, like really helps you then figure out, okay, where does our technology play? Um, so it's, it's super interesting. You all have taken this change management approach. Um, very specifically, do you all think about too, like put, giving them kind of like, um, I'll call them like tools or templates, but is there like a, I don't want to call it like a package that you all kind of like think about like helping them deliver, but is there anything that you specifically like try and kind of get over to them from like the experience that you do have working with all these other customers? Yeah, I, I think our our enablement team uh, has spoiled us where they've they've trained us upright on, you know, again, what our, what our customers care about. Um, but also just having the opportunity to work with close to 2,500 institutions. Again, we get that feedback as well, I think naturally, but, but the answer is a resounding yes. Uh, I was, I was nodding, you know, furiously, I guess, uh, as you were speaking yeah. there, just in the sense of uh, the, the, it's great to have a partnership. I think it's a very meaningful partnership when an organization comes to your organization to say, your solution, your advisory offering, your service gives us the information that we report on, that we deem mission critical, business critical. It's a recurring engagement, let's say monthly. We're coming to you for that. You're helping us run our business. That's so key. Uh, that's phenomenal. That's that's what we're shooting for, right? And again, I, I think yeah. our technology platform and the analytics that we have within it allows us to do that. Uh, and most of our clients get it. Uh, I would say... Other institutions, like the, the thought is definitely out there. You know, it's it's something that they're thinking about. They they get it, but do they have something readily available to like get them that data and then action off of it? Sometimes the answer is no. So for those typical experiences, it's actually like education. Like, hey, yeah. we, we have this information. We have this report out that we can provide to you. Do you have something currently that, that offers that? Likely the answer is no, and then again, it's an eye-opening moment for them. So, uh, yeah, we're we're I guess graced to be in the space that we're in 
and, and grace to have the information that we have. And then again, it's always just educating the client, helping them deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love your point too, just about, um, uh, sounds like y'all have a good strong enablement team, which, you know, uh, kind of a back office or behind the scenes type function that like helps everything run. It's like, Oh, we're all trained the same way. We've got the document, you know, everything's kind of documented in the right way. So that's, that's a huge piece. Um, and then I think, you know, like as you were going down to Garrett, the, um, the idea that like, you know, um, we, we have this expertise because we've worked with so many customers before. And sometimes, um, I think CSMs, you know, have these point conversations. Like I find this all the time where they might say like, Oh, well, uh, they come out with a key insight and they're kind of like, Oh, well, everybody knows that. And it's like, no, everybody doesn't. Like we need to figure out a way to get that to like the other 3,500 customers that we have or 2,500 customers that we have. It's like, Oh, that's a really key insight. Do we need to update enablement? Do we need to update a marketing material? Um, to show, you know, something that you just learned on that call, because, um, again, we have like this, we have deep expertise, like a lot of our, um, a lot of our CSMs, it's like, we've worked in the space for a number of years. Like, and so sometimes we, we almost think like common knowledge, uh, some of this stuff is common knowledge when it's like, oh no, like, you know, somebody might not know that we need to make sure and kind of get that out the door, um, in like content or some other way, uh, definitely rings true too. Um, I know we're kind of coming up here, uh, on time The maybe the last, um, uh, question uh, here to you both, maybe start with you, Michael, is, um, you know, in some of the things that we've talked about here, you know, kind of measuring outcomes, um, kind of having those consistent conversations with customers, you know, then we're kind of talking about some of the change management piece. Um, is there any like one um, actionable piece of advice or something that you could give to a CSM out there about, you know, something that you've learned that you've picked up on, maybe a tip or a trick, or you're just kind of like, hey, I've had to have, you know, hundreds of these conversations before. And here's something that I've learned that would just be um, kind of a tip of the cap. Yeah, I would say uh, celebrate the wins, you know, make sure that they understand like they are, um, they're, they're thriving with, with the yeah. relationship you have and the, the relationship they have with the software. So um, again, we want to make sure they're seeing value right out of the gate. Celebrate that. We want to make sure on the next QBR, they, they, they see the value again. Celebrate that. You know, the milestones they make, highlight all of them. We want to make sure that they are feeling that they made the right decision, you know, that they are feeling comfortable with the CSM they have, the, you know, the, the company that they partnered with. So I would highly recommend saying let's celebrate um, as much as you possibly can um, with whatever milestones you set out. Plus it also just, I think to me, it lets them know that you're listening, you know, you're sticking true to, to the journey that you both agreed upon to say, okay, this is where, you know, this is where we went, you know, look at all the things we've accomplished. Now look at where we're going, look at all the things yeah. you can do. So I think celebrating only helps you get to wherever you're trying to go uh, that much more smoother. I'm, yeah. I'm passionate about this one as well. I've got to hop in with, uh, with my clip. Um, Cause we, we've gotten like kind of down into the details and the weeds as well. Right. But like, keep it simple and solve for what they care for. Shut up and listen, like let them talk. That's first and foremost, you know, to maybe table your agenda and what's most important to them. And then can we yeah. help them with that? It's that simple. I, uh, yeah, go, Michael, going back to your point, we have a channel here at, uh, a Slack channel that we use for like our, uh, our social and PR team. And it's called stories worth sharing. And, um, it's, it, we've asked our CS team and our sales team to use it for, I think everybody thinks about like the big way, Oh, we won this big customer or Hey, we have this big account. We have this big renewal. And we've actually asked for the smaller things like, Hey, can you tell us when a, even when a customer launches their community, that's a huge moment. That's actually a really scary moment for them. So let's like highlight those types of moments or you hear a customer, 
um, maybe they presented some slides at like a <clears throat> at a presentation themselves or at a conference or something. Let's highlight that. Like I think um, similar to what you mentioned, Michael, like those any of those moments in there are like great moments that we can even just celebrate for the customer. Um, and like, we don't want to wait for the big renewal or we don't want to wait for the big sale. We want to like, we kind of want all the in-between moments for us to like stay consistent of like, Hey, we're here for you as you have like some of these moments. So that, that definitely rings true. And then Garrett, I love your point. Like I think in customer success, uh, I'm in the community all the time. You know, you start seeing people uh, almost like searching for these silver bullets or like, what's the next best thing or like, you know, chat GPT and AI and technology and all these things, which is like, fine, people want to be out there searching for those. But also like, when you boil it back down, I continue to find like the best customer success teams are the ones that are just doing consistent things really well. Like you said, it's like, hey, really simply, we need to know what our customers are trying to achieve. We need to make sure and ask them that on a regular basis. And then we need to make sure and fill the gaps when we, we feel like we're not hitting it. And like, I think that's a beautiful message too of like, hey, that's at the end of the day, like we just need to get back into simplicity sometimes. Like technology can help augment in certain areas, but like don't make it the thing. Um, get back into the, hey, this is a people business. Uh, we're dealing with people left and right. So um, this has been awesome. I think this is, I really love the discussion around measuring outcomes. I think you're, you're all, the approach on change management is definitely gonna be a big piece that people listen to as well. So I think there's a couple of really good takeaways in here uh, that I'm excited about. So uh, without further ado, you know, Garrett, is there any, any place that people can find uh, find more about Garrett or Brago that we want to send people to? Let's, let's pause there. I guess go back. It's Abrigo, Jeff, if you want to. Oh, my gosh. And, and uh, we, we, we hear it from our clients all the time. No worries. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, this has been great. Uh, as we round, it, round things out, Garrett, really appreciate the time. Is there any place that people can go learn more about Garrett or Abrigo? Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say uh, abrigo.com uh, is the, the place to find us. Again, we're serving community financial institutions, but on our site, our corporate site, there are tons of links to our uh, really pages to support our clients, right? So implementation, our change management programs, our support programs, our community programs, advisory offerings, I could go on, et cetera. Uh, in terms of me, just yeah, find me on LinkedIn out of Raleigh, North Carolina for Abrigo. Perfect. And Michael, how about you? Where can, where can people find more Michael Click? Yeah, I would echo that. Same thing. LinkedIn, by all means, you know, uh, I love a, a good conversation. So um, feel free to message me um, and uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Perfect. Thank you both. We'll, uh, we'll get this out the door and uh, excited about a ton of the insights in here. Appreciate y'all sharing some of, uh, some of your story. Thank, Thank you, Jeff. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm -hmm.